Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
economy's hurt me. My checking account has got me scared to death. I don't know where the next dime is coming from. Or maybe you know somebody that feels that way. On the count of three, all I know is that he's the God, the God of everything. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. We call him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So on the count of three, we're going to shout, rise up, oh God. One, two, three. Rise up, oh God. Rise up in their life. Bring provision, oh God. I've been overcome by panic. I've been overcome by fear. I've been overcome by anxiousness. I've been overcome by anxiety. I'm at wit's end. I'm stressed out. Or if you know somebody that's at wit's end and they're stressed out, they don't know what they're doing, they're running to and fro, they're freaking out. On the count of three, we're going to proclaim that God is bigger than all my fears. And God is bigger than all my, my wonderings and my questions. God is bigger than all my nervousness and all my stress. On the count of three. One, two, three. Rise up, oh God. Overtake us, oh God. Overtake us, oh God. lifestyles. If you're concerned that people are blowing their brains out and turning to alcohol and drugs and rather, rather than turning to God, if you're at the least been concerned that there are as many Christian marriages end in divorce as non-Christian marriage, marriages, then somebody somewhere on the count of three has got to shout, rise up, oh God. As a proclamation over our country, we believe that God is still in control and revival can still come to America. One, two, three.
right, all right, we got to do something here. This is going to be a little bit different. I've never done this before. This is going to freak some of you out. I just understand that. Just, just go with us. I want you to find somebody. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Find somebody. Nobody likes to be yelled at, but I'm going to give you permission to yell at them this morning. I, I just want you to get up next to them, and I just want you to yell at them. So it's going to be loud in here. I understand that God can figure it all out. He, he's kind of like that, you know. He can figure it all out. I just want you to yell over, yell over them. This is, I believe this is something happening in the spiritual world. I want you to yell over them. Let God arise and your enemies be scattered. Come on. Find, let, find somebody. You don't know what you're yelling at. You might be yelling at an addiction. You might be yelling at brokenness. You might be yelling at shame. start a new series this morning. This is a little different, so y'all are going to have to just be a little different with us this morning. We're going to start a two-part series that uh, we hope you will enjoy and that will be uh, helpful to you. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships, about what men and women want. Um, and so we're going to do that over this Sunday and next Sunday, so we encourage you to be here for that. Uh, and so <clears throat> let's, uh, let's start. I want to lay some foundation via Scripture about a couple things before we go too far in this discussion about relationships uh, so you can kind of understand where we're coming from. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. And I want to read two portions of Scripture. They'll be, well, they're already up on the screen for you. And, and uh, just so you'll know going into this, my stated goal this morning is to at least one time make Julie blush. If I can pull that off, I will have been successful and embarrass her at least thoroughly before we get throughout this morning. So we'll see if I'm successful or not. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, this is Jesus talking. In 19 and in verse 11, it says this, But Jesus said, Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone, some from birth seemingly never get, give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the large, largeness of marriage, do it. So as we start this discussion about relationships, let me just kind of put this out there as a foundation. Here we go. If you're single, if you're not married, you're not second rate. Newsflash, if you are not married, that does not mean that you are a second-rate person in the kingdom of God. If you are single, I want you to understand that your completeness does not come from another person. I'm already preaching, sitting down. 
If, if you are not married, just because you don't have a man in your life, ladies, and just because you may not have a woman in your life, men, does not mean that you are incomplete and that you are not whole. In fact, if you go read Scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says that when we come into relationship with Christ, He makes us complete. We find our wholeness in him. Another portion of scripture says that, that when we come into relationship with Christ, he gives us everything that we need for life and for godliness. In other words, he completes you. I got news for you this morning. Julie does not complete me. I was complete before we ever met. Because I'd met Jesus when I was five years old and I accepted him in my heart. And I didn't find my completeness in Julie. I found someone that compliments me. Do you understand that difference there? It's not I'm saying she goes around and brags on me all the time. I'm saying that she compliments me. My weakness is find somebody that can come along and help me and com compliment my, make it so that I'm stronger in those areas. That, that's what she does for me and that's what I do for her. But I am complete in Christ. So if you're here this morning as we begin to talk about the issues of marriage relationship, please understand we don't want you to have the concept or the idea that you're incomplete or you're second rate. You're not. God, you are complete in and of yourself. Let me just say this this morning. If you try to find your completeness in another person, if the only time that you feel complete is when you have that cute thing hanging on your arm, you will live your life devastated because they will let you down. Julie's got some scripture as well. Jesus gives us insight into whose marriage, uh, whose idea marriage was in Mark 10, 6 through 9. Let's read it. It says, In the original creation, God made male and female to be together. Because of this, a man leaves father and mother, and in marriage, he becomes one flesh with a woman, no longer two individuals, but forming a new unity. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should be desecrated should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. So marriage was God's idea. Here's what, here's what our goal is over the next two weeks. Are you ready? We're praying that if you're single, what we talk about over the next two weeks will help you be, use more wisdom in choosing a future spouse. If that's God's desire for you, you will see like God sees. And then secondly, if you are married, that what this, these couple of weeks together will do is that they will help you become a better spouse and a better parent. Everybody want to see that? That's what our desire is. We, now, let me just warn you. All right, here's the, uh, the PG-13 rating we're going to give. If you're churchy or if you're religious at all, you are not going to enjoy this morning's message. All right, you've been warned. Uh, do what, stick your fingers in your ears, whatever you got to do, because the reality is, is that we don't talk, usually talk about the things in church that matter. We try. We, we preach about the prodigal son, which matters, and we preach about the good Samaritan, I know that matters, and we preach about how to get to heaven, and that matters. What we, just, we really don't ever talk about is how do you have a healthy relationship as a man and a wife? How do you pull that off? And so this morning, we're going to talk about some of those things, and I just want to warn you, we're going to talk about the, the S word. We're going to talk about sex a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of the needs physically we have and some other areas, and, and I just want you to be forewarned. We're going to talk about those things. A lot of us believe that marriages, good marriages can't happen. And if you look around in today's society, we, that's portrayed in a lot of the TV shows, the movies, and that sort of thing. But how many of you know that marriage is hard work? 
And all the married people said, Amen. Amen. Does it come easy all the time, 24 7? Nope. Absolutely not. We have to work at a good marriage. It's not just for fairy tales and in romance novels. It can happen. In fact, a good marriage is something that we must strive for and something you should expect. But the caveat is you have to work at it. It does, doesn't just happen. In fact, if you're like Steve and myself, um, some of you know this gentleman who did our marriage counseling, Mr. Dan Palisano, wonderful man of God. But because of our situation, he was in South Carolina when we were engaged, and I was in Oklahoma, so he comes in a week before the wedding. We only got one hour of marriage counseling. Now, something stuck because we've been together almost 18 years. But how many of you know, if you're preparing for a lifetime of marriage, that just a few hours here or there of marriage counseling isn't going to cut it? Right? So that's why we feel the need as pastors here to, we got to talk about this stuff. It doesn't just happen. We have to work at it, and it's something we have to learn issues and, and deal with issues and discuss. So that's, that's why we're doing this. See, a lot of us think this. We think that God's sitting up in heaven, and he looks at marriages, and he plays any, many, mighty mo. This one's going to be good. This one's going to be bad. This one's going to be good. This one's going to be bad. And depending on which one of those we hit on determines whether we have a good relationship or not. I'll tell you something. God doesn't act like that. He doesn't think like that. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God is no respecter of persons. He wants everyone to have a good marriage. Unfortunately, in our society, you know that Christian marriages end in divorce just as much as non-Christian marriages. Because we don't talk about this stuff. So we want you to know that God wants you to have a strong marriage. It is possible. And not only is it possible, it is needed. Because what we've discovered, we've done a little bit of research this week, we are, and last week actually, but we discovered that there are great benefits of having a healthy marriage. We, we don't really stop and think about that much. But did you know that if you have a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage, that it benefits some folks? For instance... Julie's going to tell you, and then I'm going to come back in and tell you some more. Some of the ways that it helps your children. Think about this a minute. Research has shown that if you uh, raise your children and your youth up in a godly marriage situation, that they're more likely to attend college, more likely to succeed academically. How many parents want that for their children? Amen. Uh, they're physically healthier and emotionally healthier. They're less likely to abuse drugs or alcohol. They're less likely to commit delinquent behaviors and less likely to be a victim of physical or sexual abuse. And they have a better relationship with their mother and father. And they're decreased, you decrease their chances of experiencing divorce. Think about that now a moment. By how healthy your relationship is with your husband or wife may very well determine whether your children experience divorce. All right, so that's very crucial for you to have a healthy relationship. They're less likely to become pregnant as a teenager or to impregnate someone. They're less likely to be sexually active as teenagers. They're less likely to contract a STD. They're less likely to be raised in poverty. Now, it doesn't just impact your children. It impacts the partners in the marriage. And so Julie's going to tell you how a healthy marriage helps the woman. Listen to this. Uh, more, they have a more satisfying relationship if they are in a good marriage. It makes sense. They are emotionally healthier and wealthier. They're less likely to be victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, or other violent crimes. They are less likely to attempt or commit suicide. They decrease their risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Less likely to contract STDs. Less likely to remain or end up in poverty. They have better relationships with their children, and they are physically healthier. 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 <laughs> A bad marriage can depress the body's immune system. Unhappily married women have subnormal levels of white blood cells, 
which help to fight infection. How many of you know that if you are in turmoil and in an unpeaceful situation, it will affect you physically? Yes, it's true. So, so in other words, what she's saying, if we walk around and see women that are sick all the time, I don't need to say that, do I? Okay. Um, there are benefits uh, for men as well. If we're in a healthy relationship, what that means is that we will live longer. In fact, I just heard this week that if a man, as he's leaving his house or saying goodbye to his wife, if he will kiss his wife every time he leaves and says goodbye, he will live seven times longer. So there are going to be some smooching going on this week. Some, some of y'all trying to squeeze some extra years out of your I understand. All right, so you live longer. You're physically healthier. I haven't figured this part out, but we're working on it. You become wealthier. I don't understand that one. Increasing the stability of employment. You make higher wages. You're emotionally healthier. You don't use drugs and alcohol as, as much or abuse them. You have better relationship with your children. You have a more satisfying sexual relationship. You're less likely to commit violent crimes. You're less likely to contract STDs. And you're less likely to attempt uh, or commit suicide. So having a healthy relationship in your married life is crucial not only just for you, but for your partner and for your children. Now, uh, so we want you to know that the only way to, to have that happen is we got to know what each partner wants or needs. There was a young lady who was having a great bit of difficulty, and she wrote a letter to some tech support. Let me read that to you. Dear tech support, this year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0. And noticed a distinct slowdown in overall system performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications, which operated flawlessly under Boyfriend 5.0. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5, Personal Attention 6.5, and then installed undesirable programs, such as NBA 5.0, NFL 3.0, and Golf Clubs 4.1. Conversations 8.0 no longer runs, and house cleaning 2.6 simply crashes the system. Please note that I have tried running nagging 5.3 to fix these problems, but to no avail. What can I do? Signed, desperate. Really, really, really well. Okay. I heard about this pastor who uh, talked to a gentleman after church. This gentleman stopped after church and pulled him off and said, man, I, I need to talk to you. And the pastor says, okay, and they go to a side room, and this, this guy says, man, my wife is trying to kill me. She's trying to poison me. And, the, you know, the pastor thinks the best about everybody, says, man, you're nuts. Man, your wife is not. Yes, she is. She's trying to poison me. I don't know. She is. And so the, guy, the pastor finally says, okay, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll make a, an agreement with you. I will go talk to your wife this week, and I'll find out what's going on. I'll call her up on the phone, spend a little time with her, make sure she's not doing what you. And so the pastor, during the course of the week, picks up the phone, talks to the wife for three hours. At the end of the conversation, hangs up the phone, and later that week, he comes into contact with that same man, and the guy says, did you talk to my wife? And the pastor says, I absolutely did. I talked to her for three hours, and out of our conversation, I now have some advice for you, and, and I'll give you my advice if you're willing to listen. And the man says, okay, I'll do whatever you say to do. I, you talk to her, and he said, okay, here you go. After talking to your wife for three hours, my advice is drink the poison. Uh-huh, see, see. Listen, we don't want you to have relationships like that, so we want you to know that uh, there are four basic needs or areas 
that men and women have needs and desires and wants, and we want to talk about them. We're going to talk about two this morning, but there are basically four needs. There's physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, and relational needs, and this morning we're going to talk about physical needs and emotional needs. Now, let's start with talking about what men want physically, all right? Here we go. Men want sex and food, and when you finish with that, when you finish with that, then what we want is more sex and more food, and then after that, we want more sex and more food, Uh, and then sometimes we want more food, and then we want more sex, all right? So I'm done. Me and the women are going to go to Starbucks. We're finished. The rest is left for the guys, so Julie's going to handle it from here. It's just the truth, uh, you, you know. Uh, let, me, let me read this to you. We discovered this. This is interesting. 18 to 29-year-olds have sex an average of 112 times per year. 30 to 39-year-olds have a, sex on an average of 86 times a year. And if you're 40 to 49-year-old, then, then you have sex an average of 69 times a year. So my advice to you is this. Don't get old you'll miss out on some things. Don't get old. So uh, y'all get that later. All right, so let me tell you what men want physically. All right, I'm getting ready to help somebody. Women, listen carefully. This is what men, these are the things that men want physically. Number one, we want you to take care of yourself. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. We don't want the model that y'all think we want. We don't want this bean pole with no personality, dumb as a rock thing that they put on the front of magazines. I don't want that. What I want is my woman to take care of wh- who she is. I Listen, I don't, I don't work out of the house now. I'm at home and she goes to her job. It used to be the other way around. But, but listen, ladies, I don't want to come home and the first thing that happens is when I come to the door, there's a woman standing there who hasn't taken her, hadn't brushed her teeth, hadn't combed her hair, got rollers in her hair, got some old matted up apron on. The only way I want her to meet me at the door with an apron is if she doesn't have anything under the apron, right? So, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm not looking for this this fairy tale. I want her. But I want her to fix herself up. I want her to take care of herself. I want her to look nice. That's what I want. Okay. Okay. And she does that, by the way. So what happens now is we, hey, see, I got her. I got her. She, uh, I told myself I wasn't going to turn red. So, what, so here's the deal now. It's, it's, flip, it's vice versa. Since men are visual, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, but now since I know that doesn't matter to a woman, I show up at the door in some matted up old apron, and I don't brush my, no, I'm playing. No, he doesn't. Women, let me piggyback on on that. Listen, uh, you ever seen someone walking around with no hair combed and just ratty clothes and just just didn't take care of themselves? I have. And most of the time from what I've seen, just my personal opinion here, is that what is going on in the inside comes out and makes its appearance on the outside. For instance, if you have low self-esteem and you don't know who you are in Christ and you you don't have... Uh, you're not comfortable in your own skin, so to speak. That's what we hear a lot. Then you're going to look like that many times. But if you have high self-esteem and, and people have applauded you and have poured into you and you know who you are in Christ, then a lot of times that inward beauty comes out and shines on the outward. And that's what he's talking about. Know who you are in the Lord. Be comfortable in your own skin. So take care of yourself. The second thing is this. 
All right, I'm, I'm being real transparent here. I want my woman to be modest in public, but not in private. In fact, Timothy tells us that, tells the young ladies to be modest. I want my wife to cover up. I don't want all the other men to see what I get to see. In private, she's got it, so she should flaunt it. All right? Because men are visual. So, ladies, go home this afternoon and throw away the flannel nightgown. We don't want it. We, we want you to be covered up and modest when, we, when we're out in public. But when we get into private time, I don't want to see the flannel nightgown. And, and that's a joke for us because the, her mom, for our honeymoon, sent with her a flannel nightgown with a drawstring around the bottom. And I had to rebuke, I, I, get behind me, Satan. I ain't having no part of it. That's not what we want. We need, we, I want my woman to be, listen, I understand that modesty is hard work. All you have to do is go into the local department store and try to find modest clothing. I'm not saying find clothes that are down to the, the wrist and all the way to the floor and put your hair up in a bun. I'm not saying that. I am saying you can be fashionable and trendy without showing everything you got. In fact, another element of that is, is ladies, those of you that I'm not married to, I need you to be modest, and all the men in the room want you to be modest, because if you're not modest, you cause us to stumble. And Scripture teaches us that we are responsible, like it or not. When you're trying on something at the store, one of the things that you ought to ask yourself is, can I wear this and not cause somebody to stumble? And if the answer is no, put it back on the shelf. If it's too tight, don't buy it. If it's too low, don't buy it. If it's too high... Don't buy it. Because if you don't want a party, don't send an invitation. Right? And so we need your, you can partner with us. Every man I know, here, I mean, I'm, we're going to be honest this morning. Every man I know struggles with their thought life. Well, I thought y'all were holy. We are. But we're human. And we're wired to respond visually. And we need you to partner with us to be modest. All right? Number three. I'm going to get some huge amens here. As a man, when we're dealing with physical issues, I want clear communication. In other words, you got to tell me what you want because here's the when the women start amening. Men are clueless. Hey, wait a minute. You can't say amen yet. Okay, all right. We're clueless. Nobody gave us an instruction manual. Most of the instruction manuals I know about are written by men, so they don't have a clue what they're talking about. And we need you to communicate with us clearly and tell us what you want. And, as a man, I need you to initiate sometimes. I need your help. Now, <laughs> men, turn to your women right now. I'm, this, you're going to love this. As, as husband and wife, turn to your woman right now. And I want you to say this with me. Come on, man. Wife. Oh, come on. Wife, you have permission to be aggressive with me. All right? I'm just being honest. We want you to clearly communicate. See, we can't. I know y'all probably have already figured this out. 
We can't read your minds. Well, there's a news flash, isn't it? We don't know what you want. It reminds me of the story about the, the man and wife who had been married for 15 years, and they were kind of having some issues. And they go to a marriage counselor, and they're sitting there, and the, the marriage counselor asks this question to the wife. Can you tell me what's wrong with your relationship? And for the f- next 15 to 20 minutes, she's like a laundry list. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. No breath. She's just telling everything that's wrong. Until finally the counselor gets an earful, and while she's still talking, he stands up, walks around the desk, grabs her by the shoulder, picks her up, and or stands her up. And when she stands up, while she's still talking, he wraps his arm around her in a passionate embrace and just lays one big old long extended kiss on her. And when he's done, he backs off and she just plops down in her chair and she's just kind of sitting there completely silent, dazed. And he turns to the man and said, Sir, this is what your wife needs three times a week. Can you make this happen? And the man says, Well, on Monday and Wednesday I can drop her off by here, but on Friday I go fishing and so that's going to be an issue. <laughs> I had you. I had you the whole time. All right, listen. It illustrates for us. It illustrates for us this fact. We don't know what you want. And you can't hold us accountable or have expectations about us unless you clearly and precisely communicate. Julie's going to tell you what women want. All right, you ready? Men, you ready? Yeah. All right. Men are visual. Women desire touch. Now, let me, let me back up just a minute and say this, that uh, my generation, I don't know about you, but my generation, when we were growing up, we didn't talk about things like this. If you heard anything about sexual topics, you heard it in the locker room, playing basketball, you heard it on the playground, you heard it sleepovers with your girlfriends. We, that's when we talked about things like this. So because of that upbringing, a lot of times women are not comfortable, and they're not uh, as open as we need to be. And, and because sex was looked at as a dirty topic, something that we just don't talk about. Anybody with me on that? So, men, you need to be aware of that. Women, because of that, may have some hang-ups that you're going to have to help them work through. Um, women do desire touch. They like to hold hands and cuddle and hug and all of these sorts of things. We don't want to be uh, thought of as, a, as an object. So you got to help us in that area. We want your respect. You even see this in children. When children are playing, and I have two boys, they're rowdy, they're rambunctious, and I have to chase them almost and hold them down to get a hug from them. Girls, on the other hand, you know, I have a lot of friends, female friends that have uh, little girls, and they're, they're so totally different. They're hanging on and clingy and hugging mom and loving her face and patting and uh, you know, to a certain point, I'm like, okay, go play. <laughs> I'm not used to that. I love them, but I'm like, okay, that's different. So even at a young age, we see the difference between male and female. And women are the same way, men. We desire touch. Where you, you are the physical, we are the touch. So make sure you're respecting your woman. Number two, women's motors, and I'm going to help some men out here, are slower than men's motors. And I like to put it like this. Good things come to those who are willing to be patient and to wait. All right, a lot of times, and women said, amen. It takes women a while to get things on our mind that we haven't thought about all day, and I'll prove that in a minute, that you've thought about all day, men, okay? In fact, there's research that 70% of men have thought about sex every day. 
Throughout the course of their day, 70% of men, it comes across their mind at least one time. And in fact, it says that men are believed, this can't be proven, of course, but men are believed to think about sex every 52 seconds. You know what women think about every 60 seconds? Shopping. Ages 19 to 45. This has been That's researched. That's a sin, by the way. That's one of the sins. Sinners. Heathen. He's more comfortable this service, I can tell. How many, what's the percentage of women do you think think about sex every day? Men was 70%. 34. I was kind of surprised about that, actually. 34% of women. So you can see we're on two separate pages throughout our day. In fact, we get home and this is just not on our minds. We'll deal with that in just a little, in, in a little bit. But number three, the physical relationship we need to know is for both of you. Don't be selfish. In fact, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5 says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, and, uh, to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. How many of you have known couples who hold the sexual issue kind of like a ransom? No, you ticked me off today. I don't want any part of you. Anybody known couples like that? I have. Mostly it's the women. It tends to be the women who are guilty of this. So be careful, ladies. All right? We can't hold that over their heads. You need to don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Let me get real practical right there. Let me just break in right here and get real practical. Get back in the same bed. Quit sleeping in different rooms and in different beds. We're created for one another. Get back in the same bed so that you don't cause your husband or your wife to sin. Lastly, women want sexual security. And I know that this is um, uh, kind of taboo to talk about because there's so many people that are dealing with it. But because of that, we need to talk about it. And that is the, the issue of pornography. It happens at Christian universities. It happens in our high schools. It happens in the in the body of God, in, in the body of Christ, whether we like to, to say that or not. How many of you saw the, the movie Fireproof? If you'll remember the scene, a lot of us went to see it together, actually. If you'll remember the scene to where the young man, Kirk Cameron, uh, was addicted to pornography, and I won't ruin the whole movie for you, but there comes a time when he realizes that this is destroying my relationship with my wife, and he finally, he, he puts a piece of paper on there, and I don't remember word for word, but it went along the lines of, I desire you more than this. And men, please be aware that we don't want to vie for your attention. We don't want um, to share you with another woman or with the computer. And if that's going on in your lives, there is hope. There is help. We don't want to condemn you, but we are here to say, let God convict you of that. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your relationship if you're not careful. And there's hope. And next week, we hope to have some resources available printed out for you. If you find yourself in that, that position, please seek help. All right? It will destroy. So Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 6, verses 8 and 9 say, There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number, my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. And we want you to feel that way about us. That's what Song of, Solomon's, uh, Song of Solomon all, is all about. Uh, if you stop and think about it, a lot of people try to 
to uh, clean it up a little bit and say, oh, it's just, a, it's just an analogy or an allegory about how Jesus loves the church as his bride. And yes, it does have that in there. But can I tell you what Song of Solomon is really about? It's about a man telling a woman and a woman telling a man exactly what they want physically. I mean, when they start describing, like, your, your tooth, y'all know what it's like, right? I, I was going to get me a paper bag and cut holes in it and put it over my head so I could read out a Song of Solomon. Go back and read it sometimes. It's a harlequin romance is basically what it is in the Word of God to teach us that it is all right for men and women who are in the confines of marriage to love one another physically, to have a desire for one another physically. We were created for one another. Uh, there's a church down in Texas. If I called it by name, you know who it was. The pastor stood up uh, several months ago. They were doing a series on relationships. And he made this challenge to the entire church body. And we're not, we're not going to uh, uh, make this challenge to you. You can take it and apply it to your own life. Uh, at the size of his church, he said he had about 10,000 married couples represented in their services. And he stood up and he made this challenge to them. He said... From this Sunday till next Sunday, seven days, I am challenging you to have sex at least once every day for seven days if you're married, in the confines of marriage, all right? And he, he challenged them in that regard. Can I, I, can I, I wasn't even there, I, I don't go to church there, but can I tell you what the result of that was? I don't even have to call him and ask him. Uh, I know what the result was. There were a lot more smiles at church the next Sunday. And there was a lot less sin at church the next Sunday. And so we challenge you this morning to take care of each other physically. There are some emotional needs that we want to talk to you about quickly, and I'm going to run through these quickly. As men, women, take notes. Here's what we want from you. As our wife, we want you to affirm us and to make us a hero. Set it up if you have to. Go let the air out of the tire on the way to work so your man can ride in like a white knight and rescue you. But we want to be heroes. We're all striving to be heroes. We get our affirmation and our self-esteem totally from achievements. When I get the new job and the new promotion and the new house and the new car, I feel like a man. That's what happened when we were pursuing you. We were being cavemen. We had the big club over our, our shoulder. And when we got you, we were like, me, the master, me, got woman. Woman, come home with me. And it's all about achievement. And so what we need, I know y'all don't believe that, but that's the truth. We didn't say it, but it's the truth. We feel like we won. Every other guy lost out and we won her. That's how we feel. And then what we need you to do is come along now and make us a hero again. Because they, recently uh, a survey was taken and the men said this. Women tend to treat men in a way that diminishes their ego. Making them feel inadequate. And I want to tell you what. If you have a man that doesn't feel adequate, he won't take care of your emotional needs either. We want to be heroes. Second, we want you to encourage us. Encourage me. Uh, I will live up to what you say about me. In other words, wives, if you're sitting in this room this morning and you have a tendency to nag your husband, your husband will live up to what you say about him. In other words, if you say you're a lazy bum, you never get your rear off the couch, you don't do this, you don't do that, guess what? They never will. But if you walk in and you go, man, you're the most incredible husband 
You take care of me. I'm so thankful for you. You're a good provider. You take care of our house. You mow the yard. You, take, you make sure my car runs right. You know what he'll do? He'll get off his lazy rear and get outside and mow the yard and take care of the car. Why? Because we live up to what you say about us. I can prove it out of Scripture. David says about God, he says, Oh, come magnify the Lord with me. I got a question for you. How do you magnify God? How do you make God bigger than he already is? He's as big as he's ever going to be, and he's bigger than everything. How can I magnify him? Can I tell you that Bible says that God created us in his own image? And I think this is where men get this. But I think what David is saying is as we worship God and as we praise God and as we brag on God, he swells up with pride and he says, you know what? If they say that about me, it must be true and I'm going to do what they said about me. And women, I am saying to you, if you want your man to be somebody, speak it into him. Brag about him. The third thing that I want is, I listen carefully, I want time with you I really do we want to spend time with you and I want to talk to you just not during the game in other words women hear me carefully I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you the, the the greatest thing a woman can do for us as men is understand timing it's like the man who said I haven't talked to my wife in 18 months because I didn't want to interrupt her that doesn't work for us Honestly, if you want to talk to me, I'm not saying the game is more important to you. I, listen, I'm saying men only have the capacity of thinking about one thing, well, two things, the game and sex, three things, and food at one time. We can't think about anything else. And so while we're watching the game, the only other two things we're thinking about is I need some nachos, and then I want my woman. And, and, and that's all we're thinking about. And when you stand in front of the TV and go, I need to tell you about my day, and my day went really bad, and, and I'm, I'm emotional, we can't, we can't focus on that unless it's during the commercial and then we're all right now I'm being facetious but I'm being honest with you women timing is everything and then the last two and I'll go quickly I want someone to share my dreams with I need somebody I can share my dreams with I'm going to make this statement I'm not going to elaborate I'm just going to say this dreams are birthed in isolation you get your dream by yourself but dreams are accomplished in cooperation let that sink in. I said I wasn't going to elaborate, and I lied. I, I have a dream, but it's no good until she comes alongside of me and helps me live that dream out. The, the next thing that I want, last thing I'm going to say is this. I want you to love me first and then love the kids. Because normal children ultimately are going to move out. And in my case, my kids are moving out. They're gone. When it's the time, I love them to death, but they are gone. And what I want is I want to know that she understands that we were in relationship first. I need to know. I want her to love my children. I want her to love my boys with everything that's within her. But I want to know that she loves me more because she loved me first. Everybody understand that? Women, you got to communicate that. Because sometimes we think that you love the kids more than you love us. That won't work. i got to know that she loves me more than the kids. Yeah. Women need to feel special, valued, and loved. So it, it goes along with the, the same lines as the men who, you know, divide, conquer, that sort of thing. Ego 
have to feel like I'm your hero. We have to feel that we are special to you and value and valued and loved. We get our self-esteem many times through relationships. Um, you know, if there's someone mad at me at work, it's going to stay on my mind until I get that situation conquered. You understand what I'm saying? It, it bugs me. If, I don't, if, I don't, if, I, if I'm not in right relationship with someone, it bothers me. And I think a lot of women tend to be that way, more so than men probably. So men, value your women. Let them know that you have a relationship, and it's not just in the bedroom. It's a relationship 24-7. Number two, women have a deep need for effective communication. Now, all I'm going to say here is we need to feel listened to. We don't necessarily want you to fix every problem, but we got to have you as a sounding board. We want you to sit and, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But that's it most of the time, unless we ask you for advice. <laughs> we just need you to listen to us, and we need to unload sometimes, and you're our, you're our best friend. And so a lot of times, unfortunately or fortunately, you get that job, but... Just listen sometimes. You don't always have to have the answers. And men said, amen. amen. You thankful you don't have to have the answers? Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. Number three, there are times when we need to know that we are beautiful to you. And we want you to tell us. When we're trying that dress on or that outfit and what, and we ask you, hey, how's this look, honey? And all we're really wanting you to say is, hey, you look great. You look beautiful no matter what you're wearing. That's, that's the bottom line, you understand? Uh, we go to women and ask the real opinion of the dress. Or by guys, here's a piece of advice. Always have a Twix on hand. Have you all seen that commercial? <laughs> okay. Moving right along. <laughs> Number four. Understand that after children, things change. Amen, moms? Amen. Oh. Things change. Listen, I am not one. I've always been pretty even-tempered. I don't. I don't deal with this emotional up and down, up and down, up and down. I just never have been one to do that until children came along. And the first week of, of Tal being born, I want to tell you something. I struggled. I went through a postpartum depression. I used to think that was a bunch of hogwash. It is true. It is real. And my husband and my dad and my mom and in-laws just came around and supported me. And you know the best thing that he did for me that week? First of all, he bought me flowers. And they just said, you know, I understand, I understand. Thank you for giving me this gift of life. And, and secondly, he just would come and put his arms around me and would hug me. Because I would just literally be sitting there in tears and just be boohooing for no apparent reason. And, and I knew I was an emotional, and it made me even more confused and upset because I couldn't, I couldn't deal with those emotions. But he understood that, and he didn't try to fix me once again. But he loved me. So men know if your wife is about to have children or has had children or... Whatever the situation may be, we'll have more. Just understand that it is a different ballgame once children come along. And we are different, but there are a lot of emotions flowing through there that weren't necessarily flowing like they are now. Okay? Uh, help around the house, whatever number we're on, five. Many women nowadays in today's society, we work outside of the home, and we need help. We come home, we've worked hard, just as hard all day, and we have dinner, we have dishes, we... We have laundry. We have help the, helping the children with the, with the homework, and the list just goes on and on and on and on, getting ready for the next day. And, you know, Steve likes to say this. He's making me say it. But washing dishes can be foreplay, man. All right? Singles, close your ears. It's true. We well, want That's help. why I got dishwater hands all the time. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> we, have a di we have a dishwasher at home, by the way, so no big deal. <laughs> but you'll be surprised what doing a load or two of laundry will do to your wife. It lets her know that, hey, honey, I appreciate you. I, I know you're tired. 
Women, how many of you are exhausted by the time your head hits that pillow? And isn't it nice to know that you're appreciated? So, men, it goes a long way with your wife. Trust me. So, let me tell you what your assignment is this week. Your assignment is to fulfill each other's needs and wants physically. Your relationship will be healthier. Your kids will be happier. It's just part of it. It was intended to be that way. We were made for one another. And then secondly, along with that, see, we think, I am convinced of this, you can have the physical part and not have the emotional part, and it won't last very long. You can even, for, an ex, for a period of time, you can have the emotional connection and not have the physical, and you'll be all right for a while. But the reality is, in my, my opinion, it takes both. You've got to be physically connected and emotionally connected if you're going to have a healthy relationship. That's what men and women want. All right? So I want us to pray, and then I'm going to have us do something, and we're going to be done this morning. This is a little bit different, I understand. But we believe that it is important. I want to be known as a, as a group or a body, a, a, a church, where when people come into contact with us, what they find is single people who feel and know that they're complete in Christ first. And then I also want people to know us and come into contact with us as people who have healthy, godly, strong relationships that they know is centered in the Word of God and on the promises that He makes. Can I just tell you this morning, God wants you to have a good marriage. Some of you, that may be news. God wants you... God is more interested in you having a healthy relationship than even you are. He longs for that, and He'll help you. He will help you. Father, this morning I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray that if they're not at this place right now, they will get here quickly. I pray that you would teach them this morning that they are complete in you. They don't need a, a, a man or a woman to complete them. In fact, that man or woman cannot complete them. Only the relationship with the lover of their soul can complete them. And Father, if they've been looking for completion anywhere else other than you this morning, I pray that you would put that to a stop instantly and they would turn their attention towards you and they would understand that when they're in relationship with you, they are whole. They lack nothing and Father, I pray for every marriage under the sound of my voice. I pray that in the name of Jesus, every marriage here would be strong. God, I pray that we would uh, take the challenge to physically take care of one another, showing each other that we love one another, that we need each other. God, I pray that you would help us to, if there's a, a rift in our marriage physically, I pray that you would destroy that breach and you would cause us to come back into relationship, a physical relationship with one another. And Father, I also pray for the emotional side of our relationship, that God, if there's an emotional breakdown, I pray that you would help heal that right now. I pray that every marriage here would be stronger than it's ever been in its history. We come against the spirit of divorce. We come against the lie of the enemy that says it doesn't matter. It's just a piece of paper. We come against the scheme of the enemy to break up families. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, you would heal broken relationships and strengthen those that are already good. Make us better husbands and wives and parents. 
And, Father, we'll praise you for it. And, Father, last I pray that if there's an individual here that didn't even know you cared about this stuff, I pray that they would suddenly come to a realization that you care about every part of our life. And let that break our heart and help us to know that we can trust you, even with our relationships. And, Father, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Husbands, don't now if you're single, don't do this. Only married couples get to do this part. Husbands, look at your wives right now. Look them square in the eyes and say, you have the permission. Come on now. You have permission to be aggressive with me. All right, now wives, look at your husband square in the eyes and say, do the stinking dishes. And you're free to go. Thank you for being at Passion this morning. We'll see you next week. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without Passion. 